0: programs, treatments, or products. We thank you for joining us and are proud to provide excellence in broadcasting for the special needs community. And now, on to the interview. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clash. This is Marianne Russo. I'm happy you joined us tonight. We're going to be discussing a topic that um, we've touched upon over the years, but we really haven't, haven't delved into. And tonight we are going to be doing the first in a new series with Dr. Deborah Serrani, um, Depression in Children and Teens. And um, as you will soon learn, Dr. Serrani has a unique view of the disorder as she suffered with adolescent depression herself. And I'm bringing you this series so that parents um, and caregivers can not only identify depression in children, but truly understand the depth of the pain and dysfunction that the disorder can cause, and we will be bringing you information and inspiration and, as you will soon hear, hope. And um, Dr. Serrani, if you don't already know, is the author of Depression and Your Child, a Guide for Parents and Caregivers. In upcoming episodes, we are going to be discussing seven things a child with depression should know. The Ten Myths Surrounding Pediatric Depression and Educating the Depressed Child. Um, Dr. Serrani descended herself into a debilitating depression as a teenager. She attempted suicide at age 19, and the fallout from that major depressive episode required her to take a medical leave of absence from college um, in order to recover. And um, when she returned, she directed her focus on psychology, and we are just so glad that she did. Um, She's a sought-after speaker. Um, She has spent... The majority of her um, practice um, as a practicing psychologist is using her personal experiences to help these children and people that are suffering. So um, I just want to read a little bit of something just to give you an idea of this woman. Uh, One of the greatest things I've been able to do, Dr. Cerani says, is to let others know that there's no shame in living with a mental illness. Help is out there and you don't have to suffer quietly or alone. It's my pleasure to introduce Dr. Deborah Cerani. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm so happy to be here tonight. Thanks so much for inviting me.
0: Oh Well, I'm glad you're here, too, because, um, you know, I think this is very misunderstood. It can be very confusing. It can be very blurred. Um, and as I said, you know, um, you really have a very unique insight into this disorder. So, you know, you're really going to be able to help um, these, our listeners, the parents and the caregivers and the educators. Um, you know, understand it from a clinical view and from a personal view. So it's it's really I'm just thrilled to have you on. I mean, if you don't mind my asking, at what age did you first um, notice that you were depressed, and did your family notice?
1: Oh, that's such a good question, and it's and it's one worth answering because I didn't know I was depressed until I fell into a suicidal uh, spiral. Uh, up until that point in time, I just thought everybody was tired and tearful, I just thought that's how childhood was. And because I was a good kid and I wasn't a squeaky wheel, um, I had what was called somewhat of a masked depression. I really didn't tell anybody about the thoughts I had or the feelings I had. So my teachers, my parents, very few people uh, really even took notice that I was struggling with something, of course, until the worst event happened. So, um, you know, it's, it's a very tricky kind of illness for, for those kids and teens who are outwardly depressed. We can see them and we can tend to them right away. But a majority of the kids have what we call this mask depression or they hide behind certain feelings because they don't want anyone to know that they're struggling. So there's a lot here to look at, and I'm very pleased to be with you tonight.
0: Well, you know, and it can be so blurred because I think that oftentimes parents don't understand or know how to identify what is situational um, mm-hmm. and what is biological. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it could be very difficult what's hormonal. So, you know, I think that sometimes these kids fall through the cracks. And, you know, as in your case, you were very fortunate, but others aren't, and it could be a very dangerous situation. So why don't we start off just with the basics, Um for for this show um, about pediatric depression. So what is pediatric depression? And is it the same in children as you would see it in an adult?
1: Well, no, it actually isn't what we would see in adults, and that's what makes this tricky. What's hard about pediatric depression is that most kids are going through certain growth stages, so we tend to think if they're moody or irritable or sad or tearful, that it's just something that they'll get through. Uh, Whereas as adults, we kind of are more articulate and we're well aware of the struggles that we're going on with. So adults are better at pinpointing when they're struggling with depression. But pediatric depression has a long history of never being recognized until maybe about 20 years ago. We never used to think kids could be depressed, but research and studies have shown that Babies, one out of forty babies can have depression. Four percent of preschool age children struggle with depression. Five percent of school aged children do, and eleven percent of adolescents meet the criteria for a major depressive episode. So, what what is it that we're looking at? Predominantly, a, a, a series of symptoms and behaviors. That are not just a day or two here or there, but are just about 10 days to two weeks long of hopelessness, sadness, uh, feelings of irritability and agitation. It's a somewhat of a lengthy duration of sadness that we look at that helps us diagnose the disorder.
0: And it's so important that you mention the irritability and anger outbursts because, um, as with other types of children's disorders, as you know, um, children can manifest depression and anxiety as anger, Um, and it's also confused with other disorders.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. And as with any chronic illness, and I think I like to, to teach and educate that depression is a chronic illness, it's important to look at those different textures. You know, it's not a caricature of a kid sitting on the couch, woe is me, I'm so sad. There's so much more to look for, and that's why it's often missed.
0: Right. And, you know, there are different kinds of pediatric depression, which is confusing as well. So, um... Why don't you we start going into some of the different forms of pediatric depression? And uh, I'm just curious if seasonal affective disorder is one of them, because uh, parents could be confused if you know three seasons out of the year their children seem fine and then they're they're not in the winter.
1: That's right. You know, um, the, the the issue of depression is such that. Um, If a parent uh, or teacher is is suspect that this might be operating, so vital to get to a specialist because many general practitioners and even physicians really don't understand this illness. Uh, But, yes, there are many different types of pediatric depression things that you'll hear uh, like bipolar disorder can happen in young children, unipolar disorder can happen for young children. We also have things like a seasonal onset or even um, premenstrual disorder uh, for young girls and adolescents before they get their periods. Um, and there are also situational issues and adjustment issues. There are just so many different categories that, um, you know, you really need a specialist to help flesh out exactly what a particular child may be faced with. Uh, but more so than anything else, I think the most important thing for parents to look at is just to understand that if a child has depression, We can work out the treatment plan. It's not so much a worry about what kind of depression does a child have. The big question is, does my child struggle with it? And, um, you know, if so, we really can help pave the way to make it be easier for children because we don't want kids to emerge as adults with a depressive disorder. We want to get in there early and help these kids have tools and techniques and learn how to live with this illness.
0: Well, you know, I'm glad you said that because we're going to talk about the tools and techniques later on. Um, But I wanted to talk about the onset because we're talking about early onset. And with children, Mm -hmm. it's very difficult at a young age to know what they have or what they're feeling. So it can be very blurred even for clinicians. So um, why don't we break this down, what parents should be looking for, what the symptoms are. And let's break it down for a younger child and for a teen.
1: Well, the very first thing I teach parents and even my graduate students that are going to be emerging psychologists, I tell I tell everybody to look at what's developmentally appropriate for the age. For instance, if we're talking about a newborn baby or a two-year-old child, Uh, it's developmentally appropriate for a child to be weepy and crying and irritable and angry, right? Wouldn't you agree? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But the issue here is now we're going to look at the duration, and that's what's so important about any chronic illness. It's not a moment here or there. It's what we call in the field a pervasive experience, so a child who may be two years old who's irritable, tearful, struggling, is avoiding maybe not eating well or sleeping too much, we don't want to hear that this is just happening once or twice a week. We want to see if this is happening on a daily basis. And if it's long in duration, these symptoms, and um, a concern in, um, for the child to kind of meet, their daily living skills things that we would expect them to be able to do on a day by day basis then we're possibly talking about disorder and if i can um may i may i talk about some of the symptoms we can look for
0: please yes
1: okay Besides tearfulness or irritability and anger, we also want to look at children who withdraw socially. These are kids, even babies, when we hold them, they don't meld into our arms as well, depressed babies. There's kind of a stiffness and an avoidance. They avoid eye contact. So it's important to look for young children uh, who may hide, you know, under the covers or or away uh, in their room. Teenagers, same thing, you know, a lot of social avoidance, even from Facebook and some of social media. Um, There's there's a a super hypersensitivity to any kind of criticism or rejection. These kids melt. Little ones cry. Teens tend to get angry and, you know, stomp up the stairs or slam their door. Anything that uh, revolves around changes in appetite, whether they're eating too much or too little. Same thing can go for sleep, if they're sleeping too much or too little. And some of the other aspects that are, are somewhat similar in adults, there's a lot of cognitive dysfunction in child depression. We see kids who have difficulty concentrating. They can't get their homework done. Uh, for for little ones, they have trouble kind of learning their colors and their numbers, you know, you might think you have a child with a learning difficulty, but really what you might have is a child who's struggling with depression. So there are a lot of aspects here um, to look at, and uh, we have to add as a final piece, body complaints. Children complain about body aches much more than adults do who have depression, so kids may have headaches, stomach ache. I don't feel good, I don't know why I don't feel good. But this is the body piece of depression that so often hangs as a heavy fatigue. Um, so, you know, there's a lot to look here for parents and teachers and caregivers. But, again, the word to remember is the duration of it, the extent Absolutely. that you see of it.
0: Right, and, you know, that's key because, you know, any child that hides under the covers or um, may be withdrawn for, you know, a situation or something that's going on, uh, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a child that this is really long-term behavior.
1: Right, um, like, if, like if I think about my own childhood and what I know now and if I could go back and teach my parents, I was a typical kid who was under the covers in bed on a sunny day, didn't want to go out with friends. Um, you know, the, the signs there were so So typical. But we didn't know back in the 60s what to look for. I'd like to think that nowadays I would have been targeted earlier and I would have gotten intervention earlier.
0: Well, the stigma, thank God, has uh, shifted. Um, And, you know, I just did an interview the other day, and in some ways it shifted too far um, that a lot of children are being diagnosed with things they don't have because they have uh, immaturity or, you know, um, a child might not have acquired coping skills um, and tools that someone, another child of their age has. Mm. Um, But, you know, we're we're talking about clinically depressed children here. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, what are the genetics of these children? Do you find that a family member, a parent, sibling, aunt, uncle usually suffer?
1: Well, what, I, I'm a very big research-based person. I like to ground science in the, in the things that I teach. So yes, there's a very strong neurobiological piece, a genetic piece, to most mental illnesses. And, um, you know, this this kind of helps because depression is like an invisible illness. If we see a kid with a broken arm, we kind of understand the story. But if we were to say a child is depressed, it just, you know, you don't see it in the child. But to understand that there are these propensities, these genetic propensities and wiring to be sensitive, to not be able to bounce back as quickly as other kids there's a very strong genetic piece to depression and we often see a lineage on the mother's side or the father's side or in for instance in my case on both sides which kind of makes the packs a more powerful punch Right. And, you
0: know, for a parent, um, you know, there's no shame in suffering from depression also, and they may have a hard time identifying this in the child or dealing with this um, in That's their right. own child, which That's is why right. it's very important to um, get support both for the the entire family. Um, we're going to um, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say that, you know, there's, there's situational depression and then there's genetic depression. Right. Um, situ- kids can fall into a clinical depression because of a series of events. If we think about 9-11 followed by the loss of a parent, followed by maybe loss of financial or a house, on top of all that, those situations may press a child in a way where he or she has a clinical depression. But as things improve or as grieving goes on, they can emerge from it, whereas other people don't necessarily need a trigger or a trauma to push them into a depressive episode. They're just kind of wired for it, and it just kind of happens. And these are the kids that often say, I don't know why I'm depressed. You know, my mommy and daddy are nice. I like my mm-hmm. sister and my brother. And, you know, it's they very just, they don't for know. Them. It's
0: very frightening for the child because they have no idea what's going on. They don't even know what depression is, and, um, you know, they just know they're different. Mm. Um, We're going to move on now to treatments, but before we move on to that, I just want to say to parents, like I tell you all the time, it is crucial to get a really thorough medical evaluation while you're seeking um, a a diagnosis for your child's behaviors. Um, And I I talk... um, Dr. Sereni, I talk about my daughter who suffered for years with anxiety, panic attacks, agoraphobia, and it wound up, she had a hormonal imbalance, she had Mm -hmm. an endocrine disease. And when that was treated, the behavior stopped. So it's so important to get both a physical exam and a really thorough um, psychological exam.
1: If anybody ever works with me, the very first question I ask is, when was your last physical? Can I have the records? And if you haven't had one, we can't work until you get one. because oh, I, I do. It. I, it's It's so important to make sure because depression, um, diabetes, low blood sugar, anemia, so many illnesses, depression. So
0: mm-hmm. why Cardiac go down issues. a
1: particular road if, if, you know, you can do a very simple thing, like go to the medical doctor, get blood tests and work up. Very, very, very vital.
0: Now, treatment for children will vary. I mean, um, you know, these children need different approaches. And, you know, I never feel medication is the first line. However, for some children, it's life-saving. So there's always, you know, that that fine line and that balance. So why don't you tell us how a parent should think of an approach or treatment for a younger child and then for a, a teen?
1: Well, I I agree with you. Um, I'm I'm a talk therapist and believe wholeheartedly that talk therapy can, and research uh, supports this, can shift the depressive symptoms by changing how a child thinks and feels. Most people who struggle with depression have a very negative way of looking at the world. It's almost as if the, the glasses they look through or the thoughts that they carry within themselves are just a little bit off to the point that it makes them feel hopeless. So talk therapy or play therapy with little ones teaches children how to look at a situation in a new and different way that can lead to more hopefulness. And that changes the internal neurochemistry as well. Uh, And there is also another aspect. This is, you know, talk therapy and and play therapy are are what we call traditional therapies for depression. But I'm also a very big believer in holistic measures. And you had mentioned earlier, Marianne, talking about around this time of year uh, where kids are struggling with uh, the winter sun and not being around as much and they have seasonal issues. Mm -hmm. I believe strongly in bright light therapy, there are lots of holistic measures that evidence and studies and research show help mild depression. And I'm always, I always want people to to have tools, not just in the session room here with me, but to take with them wherever they go. And if a child is struggling with a mild depression, there are a tremendous amount of holistic measures that can be useful. So I, I want parents to understand the traditional methods, the holistic methods. And then what I like to consider the more serious methods, which is if any of these are not successful, then we look to medication for a child to see if that can in some way help the child's depressive symptoms lessen. But it's always a last resort when we're talking about children.
0: And it's so important for parents to understand that, um, you know, in talk therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, it's not just a child going in and and talking about their feelings. I mean, that's part of it. Um, But to go in and to talk to somebody about what is causing you pain, what is causing you dysfunction, Mm
1: -hmm. without
0: being given tools to change that, can be overwhelming for a child, which is why, you know, going to a great therapist like yourself and other therapists that are going to give them tools um, to change their thinking. And, you know, parents have to understand that, you know, neuroplasticity, the brain can always change and adapt. So,
1: um,
0: you know, there's a lot of hope for treatment.
1: Yes, there are there are you know as, as as I mentioned in my book, there are lots of short term therapies for kids, and it's about matching your child's temperament and personality. Like some kids do really well with play therapy, some kids do really well with behavioral activation therapy, which is a very specific type of behavioral therapy. Um, you know. As I'm, as I'm sure many listeners know, the more you read and empower yourself, the more you can make healthy decisions for your for your children. So it's always about listening to your own instincts, finding a good match for what your ch- child is struggling with, and doing your own homework so you can be, you know, empowered and knowledgeable along the way.
0: Absolutely. And one of the worst things um, that a parent can do um, with a child, and you know, it's, it's, It's not the blame game. I mean, it's a knee-jerk reaction, especially if you're not aware of what depression is, is to tell a child, well, snap out of it. Mm. Um, Just stop it. You know, go out with your friends and have fun because it's really so far beyond that. Um, So, you know, as we wrap up this interview, first of all, is this a lifelong condition? If a child um, is diagnosed with depression or is showing symptoms of depression as a child or a teen, does that mean they will more than likely suffer through their life?
1: Well, we we think about 30% of children go right through to remission. So about a third of the kids who struggle with depression in childhood won't have it again. But another two-thirds will. So this is a pretty serious and uh, potent kind of statistic. So, you know, I like to tell parents that if we can inoculate children young, Learn, to learn how to not only deal with their own life struggles and their depressive symptoms, we help them for the future that should it come back, they'll already have these tools and techniques and, and feelings of confidence that they've done before to help them go through the tough waters in the future. But, yes, depression is, can be a lifelong uh, experience. It is for me but it doesn't necessarily mean that every child who's diagnosed will continue with it.
0: And, you know, openness is key, too. Um, you know, if if you have a home where um, – you know, there's no shame in mental illness. I always say, when you hear the words "mental illness," take out the, the mental and remember illness. It is an illness right. like any other. And um, right. you know, if you if you if you have a home where a child feels they can come to you and say, you know, I'm having some problems. I think I need some help. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that would be you know, wonderful for these kids too. And and have that environment in school as well. You know, it's very very important.
1: That's true. I, I was just recently looking at a cartoon where, in place of mental illness, they put in very severe physical illnesses, and they said something like, "To the cancer patient, well, just snap out of your cancer."
0: Right.
1: Um, uh, you know, to the person who's struggling with muscular dystrophy, just shake it off. You know, you've got to buck up and get with things. And you know, illnesses or disorders are very difficult things. And, you know, stigma is a big piece that makes it hard for for many, but an openness and an acceptance that this is not something anybody didn't do, they weren't lazy, these kids aren't weak or failures, this is just an illness. And uh, those who have the misfortune or the genetics like myself, you know, there are ways that you can live and live well. And that's my goal as a clinician: is to show people that you can find a way to live with your depression.
0: And I think also, I just want to uh, mention before we um, finish up this interview that um, if you hear your child, even at a very young age, saying things like "I wish I were dead. I don't want to mm-hmm. live anymore," these are things to be taken seriously. Am very, I correct? Very,
1: very much, so. very much so. Very much so. It should be a, a phrase like that is an invitation for you to try and find out further, what is my child struggling with? Even if you don't think there's anything on the table that should be difficult for your child.
0: And that's where I think the confusion comes in,
1: right? Mm -hmm. Because
0: parents are always looking for a reason for a behavior, Um, And sometimes it's just, you know, neurological, neurobiological. So, um, you know, I'm so glad you're going to be joining us. And we're going to, as I said, um, the next um, episode we'll be doing, we're going to be talking about the seven things a child with depression should know. And I was so impressed with this. Um, it, it's really, it's, it's something that the caregivers, teachers, parents are going to be able to share with their children to really empower them um, to deal with their illness. And then the 10 myths about pediatric depression because society doesn't get it. And, um, you know, the parents have to get it. And one of the hardest things any parent with a child with a mental illness um, deals with, and this is universal, is educating their child with a mental illness. Um, so we're going to Talk about advocating for your child, educating your child, and um, how to best deal with exacerbations and other problems that are going to arise. Sounds good to me. (laughs) So tell us a little about your book and where parents can find it.
1: Well, um, Depression and Your Child, A Guide for Parents and Caregivers, is actually my second book. It's available at Barnes & Noble, in stores, online, Um, and... um, It's just a a book I was so very, very happy and proud to be asked to write. My publisher asked me to write this book um, because there hasn't been something out there that really highlights, so, um, you know, it's, it's woven with some of my own personal issues as well as a lot of research. Like I said, I like to really ground, um, you know, whatever I write in science. And I think I do a pretty good job of making it easy to understand and maybe even a little um, hopeful and playful in some parts.
0: Because oh, I it's think fantastic.
1: I think living with a chronic illness, you, you have to be realistic and you have to have some sense of lightness in your heart because there are some dark days out there, but it doesn't mean that all the days will be dark.
0: Right. And it, it really is, is a great book for parents because you really speak in very down-to-earth terms. Um, you talk about the cycle of self-harm, um, you talk about holistic approaches, as you mentioned uh... <laughs>
1: And I, you know, there are you know, so many.
0: You really touch upon so many things in the book that, that parents, they're just going to love it. Um, so we will be announcing our next um, interview. And um, again, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. And, and as thank I you end for each. Oh, you're so welcome. Mm -hmm. Um, As I end each show, you are your child's best advocate. If not you, then who? Become an informed, educated parent with us at The Coffee Clatch. You can find us at www.thecoffeeclatch.com. All of our interviews are in archive. You can listen anytime, and they're free for you on iTunes to take to the gym and on the go. Until next week, thank you for joining us.